Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Can't obviously take back what I've done and I have to accept what I did and just basically embrace it and be like, yo, don't ever do that again, you idiot. Right. You know what I mean? But what, right. You know what I'm saying? Yo, dude, like, yeah, dude, like, oh, I don't want to do that again. Like, dude, don't do that. Uh, uh, uh. <laughs> Hello, everyone. Welcome to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino. And right off the jump, I just got to point out Tom Sandoval's outfit in that scene on Vanderpump Rules this week. I mean, what the fuck was he wearing? Looked like fucking Yosemite Sam or something. Or, you know what? You know what I was thinking? That it's like a sort of a cowboy shirt he was wearing on this cast trip. And I didn't know if I missed something. I was like, is this a costume contest? And I just was not made aware of it. And I know that man often wears odd outfits. But last week on the show, I was just praising his 90s, early aughts-inspired look. And then this week on the show, I'm looking at him in that cowboy top. And that blouse that he was wearing, you guys, I got to be honest with you. I was sitting and watching it. And I don't know if you remember the movie Brokeback Mountain, one of the all-time greatest films, of course, You're all probably thinking I'm going to say he looked like one of the gay cowboys in that movie, but I'm not. I'm going to say that he was dressed sort of like this one scene in Brokeback Mountain with Anne Hathaway. That's right. Anne Hathaway is also in Brokeback Mountain. And there's this one scene where she wears this sort of like cowgirl blouse top. And it was like, that's immediately the top that I thought of when I saw Tom Sandoval in this week's Vanderpump Rules. I was like, did he get that from Anne Hathaway's closet from the set of Brokeback Mountain? Like, what is going on? He'd call up Ang Lee and say, get me a top. Because that was the top. It was like the craziest fucking shirt I've ever seen on the show. On the show. I think it's wild. So anyway, we're going to talk about this week's Vanderpump Rules. We're also going to touch on the Beverly Hills reunion. Got a lot of stuff that we need to discuss there, even though I don't normally recap the reunions on Everything Iconic. But we are going to touch down there because I have some thoughts on all of that. And I do just want to say at the top of the show that I have a little bit of a cold. I got a little bit of a cold. I took some DayQuil before uh, I started recording here. So this episode's going to be extra unhinged because I'm on some DayQuil and I'm a little under the weather. So I'm going to try not to sniffle on the microphone. I'm going to try not to cough, sneeze, whatever. Uh, but if I do, so be it. So be it. Uh, anyway, uh, I apologize on behalf of the DayQuil. Okay, moving on. Uh, this week's Vanderpump Rules. Of course, we're on our cast trip and I'm going to need them to, um, Back in the day when I used to play Little League sports, my dad would always be on the sidelines. Sometimes he'd be coaching. He'd always yell, look alive. Look alive, Dan. That's what he'd say to me when I was in the outfield playing baseball, or when I was on the court playing basketball, whatever the sport was. My dad would be on the sidelines. Gary Pellegrino would be just be shouting, look alive, Danny. Because occasionally when I'm on the baseball field and the outfield or whatever, or I, I played football as a kid. I played all the sports. I had two straight older brothers, so my parents threw me in sports despite the fact that I just wanted to be... I, I don't know, do an Othello on, in drama club. Uh, but the truth is they threw me into sports. And so sometimes, occasionally, I would just zone out. And I was pretty good at sports. I know I joke around about playing sports ball and all that as, as a kid, but I was actually pretty good as a kid. I'm a tall guy, whatever. But my main issue with sports is that I would zone out because I'd be sitting there thinking about something else that happened on the playground, or I'd be thinking about some, uh, I don't know, First Wives Club airing on HBO that night. Whatever it was, when I was a young kid, I'd be thinking about other things. And so my dad would be on the sidelines, and he'd say, look alive. That was his way of saying, like, you need to wake it up, you need to perk it up, you need to bring something to the game, because I was not playing properly. 
And so I'm going to use that same sentiment for the cast of Vanderpump Rules. I'm going to need them to look alive because right now they're not looking alive right now. They're all just looking too snoozy. It's all too focused on the scandal. And this is now episode five. We're in five. Are we six? Five, six. I don't know what episode it is, but it's too many episodes into the season for us to be so snoozy. So wake up. Look alive, Lala. Look alive, Katie. Look alive, Ariana. I mean, all of them. Allie, James, Sandoval, Schwartz. Look alive and do something. Get something else going. I don't care what you got to do. Kick up some mud on somebody else and get some other storylines going because right now I can't hear one more thing about Scandival and uh, and the Graham. I don't even know. I don't know how I feel about this whole Graham situation. Or now we're supposed to be calling him Hippie, the dog. So the dog, I don't even quite understand the logistics of how this happened, but apparently Rachel, when she went off to the facility to have some rest, uh, then the dog was with somebody else and then the dog had been biting people. And so then the dog was supposed to be rehomed, but then the people they were home to couldn't take the... And then so it ended up back at LVP's Vanderpump Dogs, where she gave it to James last week. She said, here's your dog back. And then he immediately brought the home, dog home this week to Allie. Allie's already got the cat. And now Allie's just sitting at home by the airport, and she's got her boyfriend, significant other, coming home with a new dog, brand new dog. And she's like, what the fuck is going on? Your ex-girlfriend's dog is now our dog. And I have problems with them changing the name of Graham. Now, I know that I guess dogs, he's going to learn the new name, right? But to me, that seems ridiculous to change the name, to keep it Graham, because it's not only like some stranger named him Graham. It was like James, I think, had a hand in naming him Graham. So I don't know. And also, just just as for the dog, that dog's seen so many homes. Like, let him just rest in peace and have a nice home, uh, a stable home. That's probably why he's biting everybody, because he ain't got no stable home. And so just as for Graham, and I don't know why they need to change his name. And maybe that's wrong of me to say, but I think they should have kept his name. I will not be calling him hippie. And they, and by the way, everyone in this cast needs to stop changing these names willy nilly because we got Rachel's going by, or Raquel was going by Rachel, and now Graham's going by hippie. It's like, what are we doing now? I'm not accepting any more name changes. You hear me, Sheena? Whoever out there, you're not allowed to change the name again. I don't care if you get married. I'm sorry to be a grouch, but I need you to just stop changing the names because I can't learn another name. I cannot do it. I'm at capacity. And so unless you're showing me a new cast member, I'm not learning another name because I got names up in my head that I would like to get rid of. Daryl, for instance, Daryl, the lawyer who's uh, now I also want justice for Daryl because Lala's still wearing that send it to Daryl merch every scene. And I don't think that's what that man signed up for. He's a lawyer. He went to law school. And now every time he turns on the TV, the biggest show on Bravo, he's got to see a sweatshirt that says, send it to him. And he's probably thinking, I got enough mail. I got enough mail. I don't know if he's got a P.O. box or what, but that man, we can't keep sending things to Daryl. And so we need to stop buying the merch that says, send it to Daryl, because I would imagine that is at capacity, that man at his P.O. box. There's no more room in his P.O. box, so let's stop wearing the send it to Daryl merch. We've got to stop this at some point, and we need to find new things. Let's find new catchphrases. New catchphrases. Uh, we did open with Brock and Summer Moon, and I do, you know how I love Summer Moon. I think she's just good on television. And I like this, like, kind of Mr. Mom thing that Brock has going with Summer Moon, where it seems like, you know, he's at home with Summer Moon a lot. And I know he's getting frustrated because Sheena, there's all this stuff about the mom. Where This is the most interesting thing happening on Vanderpump Rules to me right now. The situation with the mom and Sheena and Brock and how to take care of Summer Moon and Sheena's going through some things and she had Summer Moon as well as Scandal and and then it was revealed this week that the mom causes Sheena's possible OCD to act up because she uh, it was alleged that she makes Sheena feel like a less than of a mother. It's very fascinating. And the in-law situation, Brock and the in-law, and I don't know if you remember this, but one time Sheena Shea's mom did yell at me in person. 
That's right. This was years and years and years ago when I did Sheena's podcast for the first time, Shenanigans. I had gone in, and you know, I do talk some shit on this podcast occasionally, and by occasionally I mean weekly. And the mom did, I don't even know what I said about Sheena Shea. Probably said something about the pictures of herself on the wall, or perhaps the way that she treated Shay on camera, or I don't know, there could have been a lot of things. Um, but she yelled at me. And so it was, uh, I still think of that, you know, I still stay up and I, my asshole still clenches every time I think of Sheena Shea's mother, uh, yelling at me in person in the set of shenanigans. I mean, it's something that I'll never forget. And by the way, you know, who was there that day that I met for the very first time was Janet, who's one of the cast members in the new show, The Valley. She used to co-host Sheena Shea's podcast. And I don't know if you saw this, but they released like a full trailer. So there was like a teaser trailer that was released for this spinoff show called The Valley about Jax and Kristen and some other people. Brittany, our Kentucky Muffin's going to be back on screen. I'm engaged, Rotten Hill. Very excited about that. Although I do sort of wish, I have a lot of things to say about The Valley Show. And I think we're going to probably cover it on this podcast because it'll probably be fun to drag a little bit. But uh, I also kind of have this feeling that Jax is a producer on that show. And I don't have proof of this. And I haven't actually done any research on this. So I'm just saying this off the top of my head. But I do believe, based off the interview clips and stuff that I've seen from some of the cast members, uh, in particular Jax, he's always sort of implying that like he brought to the network and that he did this. And I'm like, I think he's a producer on it. And maybe, I don't even know if, I, I don't know, maybe they're trying to hide that from us, or maybe he's not, if they didn't give him a producer title. But the way he's in interviews, I'm like, it sounds to me like either this was his idea or he was he was involved from the ground up. And I, it doesn't feel like just on a cast level. So just from my own vibes behind the scenes, that's what I'm getting. And again, I don't know if that's true or not. And the show, so the trailer came out. In the show, I've the things that I've heard about the show, there's some messiness to come. In that first trailer that was like just them and like little car, it was like Jackson, a little toy car rolling around. He's like, I got a, another shot at adulting. And we're all like, well, you're 45. Like, what do you mean you got another shot at adulting? But anyways, driving around in a little car. And uh, it seemed like a nice, sweet little show about family life and raising kids. But the things that I've heard about it are actually like really messy, particularly at like the end of their season. Uh, and then there's all these rumors too about Jax and Brittany living separate lives, which I don't think, I, from what I understand, I don't think that stuff is true, at least not yet. But I do believe it's going to be a messier show than we're, I think, thinking. So who knows? You know, it's always hard to know. It's like, what's true and what's not? What's the truth? What's the truth? Um, okay, where were we at here? See, I'm all over the place, that day quill. By the way, too, at night, I took the night quill. And then I can't take night quill. I actually think it's the devil's juice because it just makes you so hungover the next day. I, I don't even take a full dose of night quill. If I take three-fourths of a dose of night quill, I'm out for like six days straight. Like, just don't ask me anything for six days because it's too... <laughs> I, can, I can barely open my eyes for six days post three-fourths of a dose of night quill. And I don't know if I'm just easily susceptible, but then when I take the day quill, it's just, I feel like, uh, I don't know. Um, okay, what else we got to talk about on Vanderpump Rules? The, the sandwich shop probably is never going to open, and somebody pooped on their patio. That's right, we learned this week that somebody pooped on their patio. And it's West Hollywood, by the way. I once saw someone in West Hollywood in front of a Target uh, drop trow at the traffic light and just take a giant dump. I'm sorry to say, I'm sorry to say that on a, a microphone, but it's true. It's what happened. I was just driving and I was stuck at the intersection in front of the Target on La Brea, or is it Highland or what? I don't, that Target, you know, in West Hollywood. And there was some uh, man who just dropped trow completely nude, completely in the nude. And not someone I wanted to see in the nude, by the way. Um, and certainly you don't want to see anybody in the nude just dropping trow and taking a deuce in the middle of the street in West Hollywood. It's not a sight that you need to see in the middle of the day. 
This also, by the way, wasn't at night. It was middle midday. Midday, sun was shining bright, and I just saw someone. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Okay, well, that's tr- but it's my truth. It's my truth. Can I take another little detour here, actually, for a minute? And this uh, doesn't have to do with Vanderpump Rules, but it's something that has to do with the Real Houses of Beverly Hills, because I did have a little bit of an aha moment this week when it came to Kyle and Morgan, the country honky-tonk lesbian, that she's, I believe now... Telling us without telling us she's in a relationship with Morgan, right? Like every time Morgan comes up, even on the reunion, my take on it is like Kyle just doesn't want to go there right now because she's still got Portia's a young child and at home. And I, I think it's like too much change probably for the daughters. And so that's my take on it. Like in two years, we're going to look back and be like, oh my God, like, yeah, obviously Kyle was a big lesbian with Morgan, but we just were not aware of it because Kyle was trying to like be a little bit um cagey with it because she's still got the family. She's not officially divorced. But I think in two, three years, we're going to look back and be like, oh yeah, obviously. Anyway, so I had this aha moment because I was watching, you know, every day on the Rosie O'Donnell YouTube channel, she uploads an episode of her talk show from the 90s. My all-time favorite show, the Rosie O'Donnell talk show from the 90s. She uploads on her YouTube channel every day a brand new episode. And so that's like my unwind time at night. I used to watch The View before bed, and now I'm watching the old episode of the Rosie O'Donnell show that she uploads to YouTube. So I'm watching the episode the other night, and she's got Melissa Etheridge on. Melissa Etheridge, who we love, who's also appeared on The Real House Beverly Hills, uh, Come to My Window. She's got all these great songs. I'm Not the Only One, a fantastic song. Anyway, Rosie's got her on for almost the full hour, which she doesn't always have all the guests on for that much time. And we look back now, and at the time, nobody knew that Rosie O'Donnell was a lesbian. And it was like kind of a an open secret on the show as I'm watching it back. I'm realizing like actually like Rosie really was an out loud and proud lesbian. Not explicitly, but if you watch that show back, you're like, wow, she's got WNBA players on here every week. Like, God bless. So anyway, I'm watching the episode. She's got Melissa Etheridge on for like three segments, which is rare. So the first segment, Melissa Etheridge comes out. She sings a song from her new album in 1999. Don't even know what album it was. Sings a song gets off stage, we come back from break, then we have a sit-down conversation between Melissa Etheridge and Rosie O'Donnell, and they have a history, a past, and they're talking about how Melissa was at Rosie's house, and they hang out all the time off the air, and they have this rapport that it's like, if you watch it back now, you're like, oh yeah, like they're lesbian friends, great. But it just keeps building. It keeps building. So then, as if I'm not already fully on board and I'm watching this, and I'm finding like so much, there's so much subtext in this episode of the Rosie O'Donnell from the late 90s, where it's Melissa Etheridge and Rosie O'Donnell talking about their partners and relationships without actually explicitly saying anything about these family lives at home that at the time they weren't allowed to speak openly about. I think Melissa Etheridge might have been openly gay at the time, but Rosie certainly wasn't. But there's all this subtext in their sit-down interview uh, in the second segment of this episode. Then... Rosie says, there's a song on your album that I really love, and I want you to perform it after the break. So we go to another break. We come back from that commercial break, and guess who's taken over the show? Melissa Etheridge. She's now on the microphone. lights up after the commercial break. We got Melissa Etheridge with the microphone. And she says, Rosie's been uh, trying to play with me forever. She says something like that. And then she's like, I mean, play the play the music with me, you know, so she corrects herself. This is right after the commercial break, and there's already been so much lesbian subtext in the past two segments that I've just been completely salivating over. 
Like I've, I'm fully a lesbian already at this point. And then they go into the song and they sing the song Enough of Me. I think that's what it's called. Enough of Me. I hope I'm getting that right. I've listened to it like 365 times since I've seen this clip. Anyway, they come back from, and they got Rosie on the drums and they start singing this power ballad. And it's a power ballad about a relationship and a partnership where, uh, Melissa Etheridge wrote this song where she's talking about giving her partner everything, her intimacy, her skin. She said, I gave you my seed. I gave you my seed. And it's this dramatic power ballad. And I'm essentially in tears watching this because it's so heartfelt. And then meanwhile, Rosie's playing the drums. Rosie's playing the drums as Melissa Etheridge is singing this uh, dramatic rock and roll power ballad about giving her partner her seed. And the subtext is both Rosie and Melissa are these alpha power lesbians, and they're in these relationships. And I think that there's actually a subtext between Melissa Etheridge and Rosie O'Donnell where there's like this underlying love between them, but unfortunately they're two lesbian power tops. And so I don't think these two could have a relationship, but I think they're connecting as Rosie's playing the drums and Melissa's singing this lyrical song that she wrote, dramatic ballad about a partner that she gave her seed to, and yet it wasn't enough. And so I think the subtext here is that Rosie and Melissa are singing this together and they're saying uh, to their respective partners, like, I tried to give you everything, yet it wasn't enough. And it's truly the most uh, amazing lesbian tale since Carol or Blue is the Warmest Color. I don't know. Bound. I mean, you got to watch this. I got to watch this. I mean, I you watch it for the subtext, but it's a full episode of the Rosie Hotel. I don't even remember who the other guest was. It was probably like, I don't know, Sarah Michelle Gellar or something. <laughs> there is another guest, I believe. Um, but it's the song Enough of Me. And I'm like obsessed with this song. I keep listening to it. I gave you my shame and my eternal Anyway, we look back on this clip from the Rosie O'Donnell show and we're like, oh yeah, like obviously Rosie was a lesbian. And uh, yet, we didn't know at the time. And I feel like that's the way we're going to look back on some of these reality shows. Like The Real House of Beverly Hills, we're going to look back and say, oh, oh, I wasn't paying attention. Um, okay, back to Vanderpump Rules. Uh, half of you probably already turned off this podcast. You're like, he's on too much day quill. Cool. i got to turn it off. <laughs> Press stop. Um, okay, I apologize. Um, back to Vanderpump Rules. Oh, so we're never going to open this sandwich shop, especially after people are just pooping on the patio. I mean, what is happening? Ariana says that she'd suck a dick to get the city moving on this, but it's in West Hollywood, so nobody wants it. And um, meanwhile, they're missing the uh, Tahoe trip. And I just thought, like, you need to get your asses on that trip because we need full cast on this trip. And if you don't want to film with that man, I understand that you don't want to film with that demon, but we're going to have to figure something else out because you're canceling on the cast trip for the sandwich shop that ain't even open because people are shitting on the patio. Of it, So you don't got to be there for anything. Just send someone there to clean up the shit. I mean, how long could it really take to clean up that poop from the patio? I mean, Katie can hop on over there for one afternoon and then make it to Tahoe for the cast trip. That's uh, what I'm seeing. And so I just wish they would head on over to this cast trip. Head on over the cast trip. I mean, if Graham slash Hippie the dog can make it on the cast trip to Tahoe. Um, certainly that I think Katie and Ariana should be making it to the gas trip. And I do feel bad for them. Um, and then meanwhile, uh, we're, speaking of the dog, I do have to say that I wrote in my notes that I would love to see an animated adventures 
of the dog and Allie's cat Banks. You know, give us a kid's book. I actually think that should be their next thing. I know Allie's busy with the astrology thing, but they need to do a kid's book. The Adventures of Banks and Graham, or Adventures of Banks and Hippie, or whatever the fuck they're going to call the dog now. You know, that should be it. That should be it. Um, we see, before we actually get to Tahoe, we do see them shopping for Tahoe. And so Schwartz is shopping for Tahoe. Uh, and uh, he is talking to Tom Sandoval while they're talking, to, while they're getting ready for Tahoe. And Schwartz says, it's time to start healing and moving on. Tom looks like very mad and angry. He's still wearing the lightning bolt necklace, which I I find troubling. I wish they he would have just taken off the lightning bolt necklace. And not just because visually I find it unappealing, but also because there's so much subtext with that. It's like, have some decency when you're apologizing to all these people that you betrayed. Maybe take off the lightning bolt necklace that means, uh, or was like a secret sign between him and Rachel. I don't know. I don't know. It looks like Rachel just completely kind of ties with him. She's like, lost his number, blocked his number. <laughs> I don't mean to laugh at that, but it is sort of funny. She just was like, yeah, I'm not going to text you back. I'm done with this. And so I'm proud of her for that. Good for you, Rachel. You moved on. Sheena and Brock, meanwhile, they're shopping for clothes for Tahoe. They're both buying some Speedos, I think, because Brock wore one later in the episode. I was all in on that. I like dick. I was all in on that. Loved it. Loved it. Wear them Speedos every minute. You can Brock, but I think they they showed them shopping together, and they only showed Sheena trying on the bathing suit, but I do believe that Brock bought some bottoms there. I do feel that way in my heart and soul, because I saw what he was wearing later in the episode, the Speedo, and I feel like he got that when he was with Sheena earlier in the episode, I do. Um, so they were looking for clothes, and this is when he brings up about the mother-in-law. It's very juicy. He wants a professional nanny, and Sheena's like, what, when we go on vacation, like, then somebody's just going to watch uh, our kid in our house? And Brock's like, yeah, like, that's how a babysitter works. And Sheena's like, absolutely not. And she don't want to argue with him at the store. So she's like, we're at a store. We are at a store, not here at a store. It was like, that's where they drew the line. After all these people have been through on um, Vanderpump Rules, that's where Sheena drew the line. She's like, we're not going to fight in the bathing suit shop. And the things that I've seen on this network, again, a woman threw her shoe at a restaurant or threw her whole foot, her leg at a restaurant. And yet this is where we're drawing the line on Bravo. All these lawsuits. Do you see all these lawsuits coming in Bravo? And it's like, this is where we're drawing the line with Sheena, though. She's like, absolutely not. I will not fight in a store that sells bathing suit bottoms. I will not do it. And she... <laughs> but I do want the best for them. And I hope they find a babysitter. And I hope we get a confessional from the mom because I need to see what her thoughts on this are. And I, I actually am starting to sense maybe there's some, if that's what Brock's got to say about the mom, what does the mom got to say about Brock? Do you know what I'm saying? Ladies, I'm right. There's something happening. There's something happening. And uh, I need to find out. I need her mic'd up in front of the red light. Her and Summer Moon, I need their opinions on this because this is the most interesting thing happened on this season to me. Everything else I'm not into. Not into. Um, okay, Schwartz and Katie, they're still doing the dog drop-off. And the producers really lucked out with those fucking dogs, let me tell you that, because otherwise we wouldn't get those two interacting at all. Instead, they were probably so happy that they have to share custody of them dogs. I know that. I know they are pissed, or I know they are very happy about that. Very happy about that. Graham, the dog, is going on this Lake Tahoe trip, as I mentioned. So Graham slash Hippie, he's traveling with LVP and Weekend at Bernie's, uh, I mean, I'm sorry, Ken, uh, who we did see was asleep on the plane. And I hope he had a good nap. And it was his, Ken's, I believe, was it his first appearance on this season? I know it was first appearance in a while, and he was just fully passed out. He was <laughs> fully asleep. 
fully snoring, might have had a mouth guard in. I don't know. He was not conscious. He was barely awake, barely breathing. He was Duncan Cheek, barely breathing. Duncan Cheek, barely breathing. You know that song, 96. Um, okay, so then what else is happening? We got uh, Allie and James. Um, so they're not traveling with Graham, which is strange to me. There's awkward airport footage. Very fractured group. Tom Sandoval was very moved when he got to sit at the table at the airport with the other uh, rest of the group. But um, otherwise, we're in a very fractured group. And again, Ariana and Katie not on the cast trip. Uh, Lisa, though, she invited them all to Lake Tahoe for this restaurant, I believe, called Wolf. Is it called Wolf? Did anyone see the Instagram that Lisa Vanderpump posted where it's like a man or it's a wolf man? It's like a, a picture of a wolf wearing a suit. It's very troubling. I would just like everyone to get eyes and ears on that. Just mark it. I'm not saying we got to do anything about it. I'm just saying we need to get your eyes on it and you need you to take a mental note of it. And that's it. That's it for now. And we're going to put a pin in it. So just immediately pause this if you need to, or while you're listening to this, just go hop on Instagram, see if she's still got that photo up. Again, it's a wolf or a dog wearing a man's suit and just clock it, put a pin in it, and then maybe we'll come back to it. Maybe we'll have to circle back eventually. I don't know when, but I, I feel in my... I feel in my soul that eventually we'll have to circle back to that. So just take note of it so that when I bring it up in the future that you can come back to it. Um, Okay, then we have the confessional. That's where Sandoval is crying over Sheena saying hi to him in the airport. He was really happy about it. There's also this thing. I don't know if it came out in this week's episode or if it's in the preview for next week. But there's this clip that was released. I think it's for next week's episode um, that Sheena reveals that Tom Sandoval actually gave her a bunch of money. Gave her a bunch of money during the pandemic. She says she lost the podcast for a minute. It was canceled. And then uh, he ended up giving her thousands of dollars, just gave it to her. And so that's something that's um, interesting to me. But you can't just like people because they give you money. Um, anyway, Brock talks to Sandoval on this cast trip. It's very awkward. And Brock is wearing the Speedo and the robe. And I'm obsessed with this look. And I know they were arguing about something, but I, I wasn't really paying attention. I wasn't really listening. And then there's this interesting conversation that Allie has with Tom Sandoval that I found fascinating because they were talking about the dog and, and Allie seems so sweet. I don't really understand what she's doing in life here uh, in this moment to be uh, caught up with all of these people, but I do feel like she just seems like a nice, sweet, very level-headed person. And so we want the best for Allie, but her sitting down with Tom Sandoval was uh, fascinating because uh, Sinsval has a different opinion on what happened with the dog. And I actually think there are some things that we don't even uh, know, we're not even privy to when it comes to that dog. I feel like the things that Graham and Hippie or Hippie has seen in the past month or so, whoo, Mike him up. I don't know because that dog, I think, has seen some things, some seen some things. So I don't know if we could put a mic pack on his hoof. Speaking of hoof, did you also see they made us look at Schwartz's hoof in the sink? Whoo, electric chair. Electric chair, bravo. You mean to tell me that I got to look at Schwartz's hoof in a sink? You didn't even see, I don't need to see Schwartz's hoof anytime. Anytime. Um, okay, what else is happening? They go to the restaurant construction site. Lala's like, oh, I've never been to a restaurant construction site. And they were like, yeah, you were. And they show footage of her at Tom Tom. <laughs> she just forgot. I imagine the things that these people have forgotten over the years, because some of the stuff, it's like so fucking nuts. I'm sure there's been a time or two where they just forget a storyline happen. They're like, who the fuck was Vale? You know what I mean? Like, who was Vale? Who's Laura Lee? You know, there's a lot happening in and out. So people like us, we remember, I'll never forget Laura Lee. Not till the day I die, I will not forget that woman. She will be with me until my passing breath. <laughs> my last. You know how they say when you die and... um 
this is gross, but when you die, like you have that sort of like final breath. I feel like my final like exhale is just going to be like Laura Lee, you know, like this. <laughs> anyway, what else is happening? Sandoval takes a selfie with Brock. That's very awkward. Uh, LVP makes them all sit around a dinner table and say something they like about Sandoval. And then this is when Sandoval pulls the DJ James Kennedy over uh, in his Yosemite Sam outfit and has a talk with him. And then James Kennedy is like, well, you were like a brother to me. And I think there is something that I, I even noticed just from like an outlooker and working with Tom and Ariana. I do, I, I did always think of Tom in that way too. He always did seem to take care of his friends. And I think that is part of the shock when it comes to like people who are close. And looking back, you can say, oh, well, he did that for maybe narcissistic reasons. But until Scandal, I think a lot of people in sort of that inner circle were just like, oh, he's really nice and, and he's doing this things because he, cares about us and stuff. So I, I understood what James was saying about that. But it is also fucking nuts, and he needs to take off that top. <laughs> and with the nail polish, too. I mean, what's happening with them them grippers? At a certain point, we need to put that white nail polish away. Tommy, can you hear me? And I would actually encourage Anne to just maybe, if she's at the house, Anne, if you hear Anne, if you hear me, just grab that nail polish, and I don't know what you got to do. Let it fall off a truck or... Whatever you got to do to hide it, it, make it fall off a truck and make it fall off a truck. Uh, okay, so that's the end of the Vanderpump Rules. You guys, let's take a break and then we're going to come back and talk a little bit about the real housewives of Beverly Hills. Ah, I love that sound, don't you? And that's the sound you're going to hear when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell online, in person, on social media, and beyond. Uh, We use it here at Everything Iconic. Shopify is the best all-in-one commerce platform capable of handling all your business complexity, no matter how big you grow. I think it's fantastic. You're probably thinking, sure, but migrating is going to be a headache, but Shopify's app store has the migration apps you need to migrate all of your products, your orders, your customers, and more uh, from every major e-commerce platform all the way to Shopify. And I always hate when I'm shopping online and I have to re-enter all of my information. Well, Shopify store remembers your shipping address, your payment information. So if you're on the couch and your wallet's on the kitchen counter, you don't have to get up, which is nice. So sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash everything iconic, all lowercase. That's one month for just $1 at shopify.com slash everything iconic. Shopify, S-H-O-P-I-F-Y dot com slash everything iconic. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. And we all carry around different stressors, both big and small. Sometimes the small stressors are the worst for me because I cannot stop thinking about them when I'm trying to sleep or when I'm trying to go about my day. I keep those little things bottled up and it can start to affect me negatively. Now, therapy is a safe space to get those things off of my chest and figure out how to work through all that stuff. And if you've never benefited from therapy, I think it's time you explore. I think anyone can be helped by going to a professional therapist. It's so incredibly helpful to get those coping skills skills and uh, deal with those stressors. So uh, if you're thinking of starting therapy, you can give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be super convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. 
All you got to do is fill out this quick, brief questionnaire and you get matched with a licensed therapist and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge, which I think is so important. Uh, so that way you find someone that you work well with. Now, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Everything Iconic today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Everything Iconic. And we're back. All right, The Real Houses of Beverly Hills. I don't normally cover the reunions because they're boring to recap, but I do have some thoughts. Uh, first and foremost, I got to talk about the set. Now, there was a lot of hoopla after The Real House of Salt Lake City did a set in the most absurd location ever where it was just, remember the Salt Lake City? Everybody dragged that set, me included, because it was the craziest fucking thing ever. And so this week on Real Houses of Beverly Hills, I'm looking at the set and it's got beautiful Real Houses of Orange County set where it's pretty bare bones. It looks like you're outside and then there's this big screen in the background that makes it look like they just had a nice speech or something, right? Pretty bare bones, but beautiful, clean, all of the things. And then I'm watching The Real Housewives of Miami and I'm looking at that set. And they put them at a fucking farmer's market. There's flags everywhere. There's so many props on that stage on The Real Houses of Miami set. And it's like, I don't get... Uh, obviously, my theory is that the Salt Lake City reunion aired. Everybody dragged that set. But I, my theory is that they had already filmed Miami. And I don't know if that's true. Maybe they had already filmed it. Or maybe they had already just like bought the items for the set or something. And then they heard all the fan backlash. So for Beverly Hills, they had that sleek, clean sl- set. But for Miami, they were still doing that crazy thing where they got to decorate it like the cast trip they took. And they throw all sorts of fruits and vegetables and shit on that stage. But I don't understand the evolution of how we got to where we're at when it came to these reunion stages, because obviously we started the Real Houses of Orange County season one in the backyard of Vicky's house at Cota de Casa, and it was just a little barbecue. And so then we evolved into doing these ball gowns. Even the New York early reunions, it was like jeans and a Team Jill bedazzled shirt, right? And then we moved into ball gowns and the set started to getting a little more elaborate. And then during COVID time, there was this weird thing that happened with the reunion sets where they had to be so far apart in the early parts of the pandemic that uh, we were having these like Real Houses New York reunions where they were a hundred fucking rugs on the stage and they were all seated 15 feet apart. And I feel like that elevated the props on the reunion sets in a weird way uh, in the early part of the pandemic. And then we got to this point where it was like they were doing this cast trip theme and they just started throwing so much shit on there. And I'm thinking like, can't we use those funds for literally anything else? But also I don't understand, like, I I feel like I'm pretty in tune with the fan response to these shows, right? Like, <laughs> I do make a living uh, talking about these shows. So I, I feel like I have some little finger on the pulse of like what the fans want from these reunions. And I don't ever recall fans being like, oh yeah, we need more props. Like give us more props on the reunion stage, bring more fruit and vegetables in and like make it look more like a cast trip they took. I like, I don't ever understand like how it evolved to that. And I just wish they would spend the money on literally anything else because also the other thing that I hate about the way that these reunion sets have evolved over time is that it takes away from like what I'm looking at with the women. So it's already so chaotic, these outfits that they're wearing, because again, they've evolved the outfits so much since we first started doing the reunions that not, I, I can't even get eyes and on the outfits because I'm so distracted by all the things that they're putting on these reunion stages uh, next to these women and around Andy Cohen that like, I can't even see what the fuck they're doing. And so I just, 
I hope that that's the end of it. I hope the Miami reunion is like the end of these like crazy propped reunion stages because they're fucking nuts. I can't focus on the outfits. I can't even focus on what they're even talking about because I'm looking off to the right and I'm seeing some big ass iceberg or flag or I don't know what the fuck they're putting on these things. Uh, but it just seems so weird and I don't really understand who asked for it. And I don't even think it's visually appealing. So it's like, how did this happen? <sighs> I'm sorry to get, I needed to get that off my chest. I shouldn't be allowed to take the day quill, actually. Somebody, there should be, you know how they lock everything up when you go to the grocery store now? Can't even buy deodorant. I got to call a sales associate to let me get the deodorant out for my underarms. Uh, but honestly, that's what they need to put uh, the day quill at. And then I need all of Targets around the country to just not serve it to me. Like, do not serve. If I come into your Target and I try to buy a day quill, you say no. <laughs> they should put me on a list or something. So I don't think it's good for you. And NyQuil either. Now, okay, so uh, Real House is Beverly Hills. We do learn that it is Anna Marie, spelled like Anne Marie, Andy clarified. Uh, this is probably Dorit's last. Dorit had a really rough reunion, did she not? I mean, not only is Andy like yawning when she talks in the preview for next week, but also Kyle sort of drags her. She feels like she's floundering, and I don't think she, she wants to work it out uh, with Kyle, but I don't think she actually will work it out with Kyle. She said they're having trouble, and they've not been connecting. Even Dorit says when they've gone on vacation, she says, um, you know, they're not connecting because Kyle's working out all the time. And Dorit's like, I'll work out with you. And Kyle's like, I wanted you to or something. And Kyle wanted to work out on a vacation. And Dorit's like, well, we're on vacation. And I, that was the only time I think I sided with Dorit, because I think when you're on a vacation with friends... It's fine if you want to work out. Like, if you want to go for a run in the morning and you're on a group vacation or a girl's trip, whatever, you go on your run, you go to the hotel gym, do whatever you got to do to keep your fitness thing alive. But I don't even think you should be allowed to utter the words, do you want to work out with me to a friend on a girl's trip? I don't even think you should be able to utter those words. I think it should be like almost an unspoken thing, right? Like, you wake up in the morning and you go to the little hotel gym and maybe your friend wakes up at the same time and sort of sees you and like kind of eyes you up from uh, the other side of the room and sees you're putting on workout shoes, workout top. And it's like, okay, maybe I'll go put on my workout shoes, my workout top. And then you just sort of like go with, go with each other without actually acknowledging it, right? That's how you should work out on a girl's trip. There should be no invitation because I actually think it's disrespectful to ask me on a girl's trip to go work out with you. It's disrespectful. Now I might do it. Again, in that way of like, I see you putting on, lacing up your high tops, so maybe I'll lace up my high tops and go uh, run on the treadmill with you for a minute. Uh, but if you ask me, I'm probably not going to want to do it. And then I'm going to feel bad about myself that you're going to work out on the ca- on the girl's trip. And I'm sitting in my lazy ass hotel room watching Susie Orman. Oh, there was also this interesting thing with Dorit where she doubled down on her Instagram. So uh, I think it was Garcelle said she lives in this bubble. And so Dorit then went on her social media. And I didn't even know this happened. I don't follow Dorit on social media, so I missed this. But she had apparently, after being called, uh, say, said that she lived in a bubble, she hopped on Instagram and posted this photo that said, I like my bubble. Then, then she realized like, oh, fuck, like I shouldn't have posted that. And then... <laughs> Then she posted a new photo, a new photo, this one with PK and the kids. And this new photo said, uh, the only bubble I live in is a love bubble. Now, the social media manager was getting fired for that, if she has one. And then Andy was even like, do you think it landed? And Dorit's like, what? (laughs) Oh, Dorit is, I just feel like Dorit, she was fighting for her life. She was fighting for her life. This whole thing, Crystal called her fake, Garcelle. Uh, I mean, they were all after her. And Kyle's done with her. 
Kyle Scott, Bamboozle Jane now. And by the way, I think there's something beautiful, and I wish that Bravo would do this more. They did that Countess Luann documentary about Countess Luann's life all those years ago. Do you remember that? It was like a one-off special they did about Countess Luann. It was so wonderful, and I never understood why they didn't do that about more housewives. And then we do this Erica Jane spinoff that's like Bet on Blonde. It's all about this Vegas residency. And I think, why don't we keep doing these kind of documentary, these one-off documentaries where they're not necessarily 10 episodes if they don't call for it, but maybe give us these like documentary specials because I would love to see uh, Luann uh, touring like for two episodes. I don't need necessarily a full series, but give me like a documentary special, like a behind the music or like a... I don't know, something. Or let me see, Ariana's doing all this stuff on Broadway. Like, let me see a little documentary about that. Like, not a full series. I don't need to see 11 episodes. Don't get greedy with me and make me tune in for 17 episodes. But a two-episode thing, little documentary thing, like, I'm pretty into that. Or or maybe just a two-hour special, right, and one night. Like, give me some of these one-off things about these women, because I think we get to know them in other ways, interesting ways. And I think the template's there, right? Like, even those music docs, which did you watch the J-Lo music doc? I'm not talking about the J-Lo scripted movie, which was we talked about last week. That was a wild ride, a journey in and of itself. But then now J-Lo's got the documentary with the making of that crazy thing that she did. It's fascinating, you guys. It's fascinating. It's about she's calling up people and she's like, Jane Fonda, I need you in this. I need you to cameo. And Jane's like, I'm not going to do it. And then Jane shows up. Jane shows up. And then she's trying to get other people. She's trying to get... Taylor Swift, she's and Taylor Swift's like, no, I can't do it. I'm busy. And then one of her producing partners is like, should we get Vanessa Hudgens? And JLo's like, for what? And you guys, I read into that moment. It's a very little moment in the JLo documentary. But obviously, Vanessa Hudgens and JLo starred together in that movie, Second Act, which is underrated. Um, but it was called Second Act. And JLo's like, looking for all these cameos in that movie that she did. And when somebody suggests Vanessa Hudgens, she says, what do we need her for? It was like something like that. It was something like that. And I don't know. I read into it. I read into it. But go watch that documentary. It's absurd. And so anyway, I would just encourage Bravo to let, let's start doing music documentaries about our musicians on Bravo, right? We don't necessarily need Kim Zolciak back in the Real Houses of Atlanta. But would I like an hour special to check in with her and the, while she makes new music and is selling wigs and divorcing Croy? I certainly would. I certainly would. So mic them up for an hour, one hour, two hours, maybe three at max. Um, but you know, that's what we need to start doing. And that's what I like so much about the Erica bamboozle chain thing. Um, okay. So what else is happening? Oh, Andy said, oh, we do talk about the lesbians situation. Andy said there were rumors of her and Teddy or something. And then now, I don't know. I didn't had, am I the only one who like never heard those rumors about her and Teddy? Am I crazy? Um, oh, they also talk. Anne Marie got more actually um, footage this on the reunion than she did all season because she talks about being rated an eight point five by the husband. Remember, he rated her an eight point five, and then that was her whole package. And he's like, "Anna Marie, you are our new housewife. Let's see." And then they cut to her package, and it's just her like husband insulting her, and then her being like, "Sutton, you have a small esophagus." <laughs> and then they're back on the reunion stage. It's like that's the whole fucking package. And then she rated. <laughs> She does rate her husband eight and a half. And so I guess fine. I wish they would just explain. This is my other issue with Bravo. It's like, obviously, they cut out the husband, right? There was like these accusations or stuff that came to light before the season started airing about the husband. I don't even remember or know what those were. But I do know that stuff came out. It's very clear that they edited all of her home stuff out. And I just wish they would say, like, we edited out your home stuff, or this is why we did this. Instead, we're like left 
just sitting there like an idiot, the audience, like, what the fuck is going on? Like, why don't we know this woman who's a cast member? And I just feel like they could easily explain that to all of us, especially at the reunion. They could say, you know, Anna Marie, a lot of your stuff was edited out because your husband did this, or you did this, or you said, I don't even remember what the reason is, so forgive me. But I do believe that that happened, but they won't, they're not telling us that. So instead, they're just trying to like, trick us into thinking it's normal. And I'm the audience member being like, I've watched a hundred years of these shows, a hundred different seasons, uh, franchises. So like, I can tell when something's off, when something's fishy. And it's fishy to me that Anna Marie had barely any home scenes. We barely got to know anything about her life other than the husband called her an 8.5. Barely even saw the kids. There was, I think, literally, I think there was one scene of her at home with the family. One, the whole season. So obviously that was cut out because a new house of you would especially want the audience to get to know them more than even the others. So you would show a little bit more, right? And I just feel like it's crazy that we're sitting there thinking like, why don't I know this woman at all? And it would be so easy for them to say like, oh, we edited out or this is the reality of what happened. Or I don't know. Am I crazy for thinking that? Like we're in 2024. Like we know how reality TV works. So stop trying to bamboozle us. Uh, but I do love my Bravo. I do. Okay. Crystal and Anna Marie. Uh, I, whatever. I don't even, a lot of these storylines I don't care about. I'm like, let's get to Kyle and Mauricio. And by the way, a lot of that Kyle and Mauricio stuff is frustrating because we keep seeing new clips come out from the Netflix show that Mauricio's got over there, uh, talking about the family life on Netflix. And here on The Real House of Beverly Hills, I'm like, nobody can get a straight answer out of, uh, out of Splits Richards because every time they talk about something with Mauricio, she's like, well, I'm, I'm open. She keeps saying she's opening it up, opening up. And I do think she is on some level, but not clearly. She's like doing it in a very calculated way of like doling out how much she wants to dole out, which is understandable from Kyle's perspective. I was in Kyle's shoes. That's the same thing I would do. But from an audience perspective, I'm like, spit it out. Are you and Mauricio completely divorced? Or have you filed legal separation? Like, and I still don't quite have answers if something happened. I feel like she keeps alluding to Mauricio doing something. It's like, obviously, they were cheating allegations, but I feel like they're was more is more to the story and i know you got kids but then it's frustrating as the audience when i'm seeing a little clip on uh, netflix that mauricio's being very clear cut and saying your mom and i he's sitting down with the the daughters and saying your mom and i are separating it feels like very clear as he's saying it and then on beverly hills it feels like we're just getting a lot of like oh i don't know and it's like i'm so confused more confused than ever uh anyway the end I do feel bad for Kyle and I just want Kyle to like live her best life. And, and I want her and Morgan to just go be right off to the sunset in love. Cause that's what we want for splits Richards. Anyway, I better get off the microphone because obviously that day quill is really hitting me because I don't even know what I'm saying anymore. I don't know what the fuck I'm saying no more. So I got to get off. <laughs> Matt, get me off the mic. We got to take a quick break here. I want to remind you all that you can get everything iconic merch at everything iconic dot store. We have long sleeve t-shirts, short sleeve t-shirts. You can get signed copies of my books there. Uh, you can get It's All Happening, temporary tattoos. There's all sorts of stuff. Everythingiconic.store. We have limited of everything. So uh, everythingiconic.store. And we'll be right back. I love decorating the house and getting furniture, but sometimes it could be overwhelming to design a space. And so luckily I'm here to tell you about a company called Cozy. Now Cozy is fantastic. A North American company that 
thoughtfully designs furniture made for modern living. Now, Cozy strives to provide the best furniture shopping experience with elegant, super high quality products, plus fast delivery and easy assembly, which is really important to me because I do not like putting together furniture. So the easier, the better for me. Now, Cozy offers a beautiful, customizable sofas and sectionals that are made to adapt in time. This means customers can add seats to the sofas over time. Maybe if you're extending your family, you might want more space on the couch. Cozy also offers a great range of coffee tables, washable rugs, wall shelving, credenzas, TV stands, and accessories. So much. It's thoughtfully designed furniture made for modern living. There's an outdoor sofa and tables collection that is fantastic. It's called the Mistral. So you can choose the perfect sofa configuration for your outdoor setup. Uh, Cozy also opened its first retail space on Queen Street in Toronto to push the experience to the next level and allow customers to engage physically with the products. So transform your living space today with Cozy. Visit Cozy.com, spelled C-O-Z-E-Y, to start customizing your furniture today. Again, that's Cozy, C-O-Z-E-Y.com. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Okay, wrap this up. Next week, uh, Andy yawns at Dorit as I yawn at this show. We love you all so much for listening, and uh, I'm sure I miss things on this show on Beverly Hills. I, we might not cover the reunion next week because, again, it's it's just sort of boring to recap the reunions. I don't know if people realize that because they're so static. That's my main issue. They're so static. So it's like once you say kind of like, well, I think they look great, or this is what the set looked like, there's not a whole lot of other things to say about it. And especially on The Real House of Beverly Hills, where I'm like, what are these storylines we're talking about? Uh, Sutton's esophagus? Like, I don't give a flying fuck about Sutton's esophagus. (laughs) I just don't. And so I don't have much more opinion on that. And Anna Marie, too. uh, Anyway, love you all so much for listening. And uh, make sure that you have a good week. Try your best, at least. I mean, I know the whole world's against us sometimes. It feels like having a good week. But try your best. Try your damnedest. That's the other, can I tell you another secret? Watching these old episodes of the Rosie O'Donnell show, that is actually kind of the dark-sided way thing about watching them. So she uploads these episodes from 1999, and they're, again, the full episodes. So you get the introduction host chat. So that's when she comes out, and she talks to John McDaniel, her band leader, and they talk about what's going on in the world. So you know, as she's uploading them back in like 98, when she was uploading the 98 episodes, like she's talking about Allie McBeal and watching Party of Five and what's going on with Bailey. And (laughs) it's like all very like lighthearted. And then uh, Columbine happens. And then it's like, obviously, that is such a dark and horrific thing that happened back in the late 90s. And so, of course, she's got this daytime platform. So she starts talking about uh, gun laws and all that kind of stuff. And it just gets heavier and heavier as it goes on. But oh, my point of that is watching now, it's sort of depressing because it feels like so many of the same things that we deal with culturally that happened back in the 90s are still happening today. And it feels like, well, is anything changing? Is anything different? Is anything evolved? And it's like, that's that's uh, frustrating. 
that's the dark side of watching a late 90s show that was meant to be viewed in 1999 and, and watching it in 2024. But I digress. Um, so anyway, you got to just find the, find the happiness where you can, find the smiles where you can, um, turn up, turn out, and find the smiles. Five, six, seven, eight. I love you all so much for listening, and um, thank you. And find me on social media at Danny Pellegrino on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Uh, you can get my books wherever you get your books. Uh, we'll talk next week. Bye-bye. <laughs>